Hello, this is Sasha. And this is Joe Cabello. And this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a guest to talk about something underrated or forgotten in the world that mm. people maybe love that haven't talked about in a while and we should talk about it soon, which is today. <laughs> soon, <laughs> couldn't come sooner. Joining us today, he is a cinematographer and director who's worked and still working on such art pieces, mm. mega <laughs> pieces. <laughs> Definitely art, mega art pieces, yeah. <laughs> like Superstore on NBC. No much, big deal. Much Ado About Nothing by Joss Whedon. No big deal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could just go on and on with this guy because he's kind of a show off and yeah. he likes to talk about all his why, credits. Why don't you go sure. on and on? Like, Joe, do you know well, what? This is the perfect time to go on I, and on. I would say, <laughs> I would say uh, Much Ado About Nothing is uh, one of the sleeper Joss Whedon movies that I would say is among his best of the last decade. Would you say, like, if you were going to do a review about it, you'd be like, Much Ado About Something? I, I'd probably do something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very Joe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. He is, what's his name, Joe? The, the guest. Whose name? The guest. Joss Whedon? <laughs> I wish. We got Joss I wish. Whedon, everybody. I would sell this guy for a second to have Joss Whedon on the podcast. Joining us is Jay Hilgers. Joss Whedon. <laughs> Jay Hilgers Hunter. Welcome, my husband. Thank you, wife. Uh... I'm here. Uh, this is the first time I've ever appeared. I'm former on, guest. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever appeared on this podcast. Oh wait, I'm sorry. This is like the twentieth time I've been on this podcast. But I think um, it's your third you, you know, guesting, right? I don't know. You, yeah, you're, probably. You're teaching everybody a very important Hollywood lesson, which is just be around and be available. Yeah, yeah. If you're around and available, opportunities come to you, mm-hmm. and you are around Sasha and available to her. So yeah. you got to be the first are. one there and the last one to leave. I've been saying it for years. Didn't Woody Allen say that? And he's also a rapist. I, I don't think Woody Allen said. That. I think Woody Allen said like. Like ninety five percent of it is just like showing up or something. Well, you know what and he's talking about. All right, uh, great, great beginning to the podcast. Um, yeah. Jay, what are you here to defend slash bring back into the world? I'm here to talk about Kitchen Nightmares, the uh, the American version of the Gordon Ramsay program uh, that was aired on Fox, the Fox Network. Um, I say the the American version because it was originally uh, called Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares and the BBC produced it or it was a UK production. But I'm here to talk about the American version. Because you yeah, are Yeah, because they American. are tonally different. They are um, they are uh, incredibly different shows. But I mean fundamentally similar, but like but 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 as far as the details go, they're very, very different. And Yeah, yeah, same same format, but uh, just the the levels that Gordon Ramsay gets to on the American version are just so much different. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I always described it as, as, like, the American version of Kitchen Nightmares is, like, the monster truck version of it or something. Like, it's, like, like it's it's the mm-hmm. same the same format loosely, but it's the, it's the loud, obnoxious American version, which... Um, Speaking of loud, obnoxious... Um, yes. W- what was your part? What, what was your role on... Uh, Kitchen Nightmares. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just a fan of the show. I am a fan of the show, and I'm a fan originally of the British version, Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, but I directed um, seasons three, four, five, and I believe part of season six. Um, I think it's... The final season, it's, right? Yeah, it's somewhere in the region of like 50 or 60 episodes uh, total. So I, so I worked on the show. I directed it for quite a while. It was one of my uh, favorite... Uh, reality shows that I ever uh, worked on, certainly that I ever directed, um, and I, I was actually a fan of the of the British version originally, which is kind of what brought me to it when they were interviewing new directors. Um, I, I, I was, and it was actually already like a, a fan and had, had seen Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, but but I, I came to find out that the American version was 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 quite different. But um, we can get into that later. Now. Reality shows, right? They don't get a lot of respect. They might get some love here and there. They get people obsessed over them. Nor should they have any respect because they're mostly garbage. Right. So why is the show different? (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, mostly people, and Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but like usually people complain these days, the audience is so educated, they complain that like, oh, for sure they're fake, right? They're all staged. 
and so there's like lack of trust and or yeah it, it we're we're also of um people who are probably more savvy to tv and and all of that and and um i guess more like decidedly critical of tv and film i would imagine that we're we are all three of us running into people who are more that and that's not to say people who aren't who don't work in the industry and whatnot um can't see the shout the, out to uh, my curtain. dog competition uh fellows <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys you're just you're probably just as good as, as seeing the wires of the show and as it were um, so, but I do think people are just getting smarter and smarter, especially with reality shows, for sure. But that being said, I think something like Kitchen Nightmares, which I must say, I'm a big fan of it. Mm. Huge fan. Well, that's huge fan. All the way to like right off the bat, you're just gonna gotta gonna admit that I'm a, I'm a fan. I watched a 24 hour hell truck or whatever the hell the new one is. Yeah. Uh, his new show, which basically is Kitchen Nightmares in 24 is hours, it also produced by the same company, Jay. No, yeah, I think I think that the new shows are produced by his by Gordon's company because he, mm. he 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 did Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares with this company. It was these two British people, um, uh, Pat and jeez, uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name, but uh, I I worked with them on a show called Hotel Hell. But um, they 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 were his original TV partners. Then he came to the U.S. And he was paired up with a company called A. Smith and Company, which is Arthur Smith and a, and a guy named Kent Weed, who are the two kind of like guys who run that friends company. Friends of the show. Yeah, friends of the show. <laughs> and, they, and so Arthur and Kent um, were kind of the, like Fox basically, you know, ordered a couple Gordon Ramsay shows like um, uh, what's the one? Um, uh, uh Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen, right? And then eventually right, Kitchen the Nightmares. Yeah, and, and A. Smith and Company was the production company that, that Fox hired to uh, to produce those shows. So, But now, um, after Kitchen Nightmares was over, and I don't know if they still do Hell's Kitchen anymore, but they but, but Gordon's kind of like uh, splintered off from them, created his own production company, um, and, uh, and, and now he produces his own shows, so to speak. I'm still a fan, and I, I've, my long-winded point isn't quite done yet, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, just to say, I am a fan of all all those shows, um, not so much Hell's Kitchen, but I do think people look at different um, reality shows as more fake than others. Like the Kitchen Nightmare style show, I think people understand there's a repetition to them, there's a format, but uh, it's seen as a lot different than, let's say, a Real Housewives reality show where we know that real house okay they're putting on a show for us those women are are really making choices it's not reality that is a show it's not yeah but while kitchen nightmares is seen differently it's seen yeah a little no bit more I, reality for, for sure i i although i agree with that but also people are whenever they ask me when they find out i've worked on the show like that um or or hotel hell or one of the other shows that, that people are always like oh it's got to be fake you guys are all faking everything that now i have worked on the real housewives shows uh, i worked on one of the beverly hills one when they first started it and i can say i mean most reality shows are very heavily produced, which means that um, they are not uh, representative of reality they're or pimped. truth. They're pimped. Yeah, they 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 cook it up a lot. You know, it's it's like it's like the mm. you know they're calling cut. The producers talking to the people on camera. Let's roll it up again, and then they get you know they they they're forcing something into being um, mm. under the auspices. It's more of a style of filmmaking. It's almost that more so than an actual like. Um, label of reality yeah it's not like a documentary um in, in any sense of the world i mean I, word i mean I, I suppose it is technically a documentary but it's one that's that's heavily heavily cooked up shall we say where whereas um no pun intended for today's episode yeah like, mm. there you go but uh the um whereas kitchen nightmares ha is a formatted show right so so we we would you know, like there's research done that they, 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 there's a casting department that they find the restaurants, they 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 talk to the people all in pre-production and uh, like a, a bit of a plan is illustrated. Um, the cool thing about Kitchen Nightmares and about working with Gordon Ramsay in general, um, from what I've worked with uh, him on, uh, I can't say for other shows that I haven't worked on, but Gordon always brings this very 
crucial mandate with him for all of his shows, which is that he wants everything to be as real as possible. And he doesn't allow thing like normal things that you'd see on any film production, whether it was a pure documentary or not, you might, you know, like someone's microphone dies, then the assistant director or somebody might come out and say, okay, hold, hold everyone for a second. Let's fix the microphone. Okay. Now roll Mm -hmm. cameras again. He doesn't allow for anything like that to happen. In fact, he, he wants it to seem, uh, to to the subjects that we're filming as if it's like a live sporting event where like you you know like you wouldn't you know n- no one walks out onto the football field and says pause hold on the camera's messed up like I, I mean if there's a camera messed up if yeah. it, you know if if one of the ten cameras is broken then you just don't see that that camera that's broken until they fix it behind the scenes and you just you just, you can't stop the 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 action from happening and and so like um. He, he requires, he, he demands that that be the case. And what that does is um, on a normal reality show, you might have, um, you know, similar circumstances, but the, the, the main talent isn't mandating something like that. And so inevitably something's going to happen or the producer is going to want uh, something else to be said or they're going to feel like it's going too slowly. And so they'll they'll want to stop the filming, pull people aside, start talking to them, massaging like, you know, like, like, like the, the content that they're that they're capturing. But Gordon would never allow any of that to happen. Like he, everything had to be like a live event. And, and, and what ends up happening is that he, um, the the you know because if you can imagine it like you you roll into a restaurant or a town or whatever and you start filming these people they're not used to television cameras or anything like that and you're going to be filming them for five days you come in you, and you leave within five days four or five days and w- w- what that does is you know for those subjects it's very it's a very strange experience and it's disconcerting and and um, and it's hard for them to be normal and natural um, because they're just not used to that stuff so so Gordon's whole ideology or approach is, is to um, not have any production television production stops and starts to make the subjects feel like almost as if Gordon is controlling everything so when Gordon shows up even if the sound guy isn't ready like he just starts talking to you and 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 he's he's yelling at cameras sometimes like hey man get out of the way like you're in the way out of the, like you know they have to walk out of the door or, or you know like Gordon's always like creating this environment where he's conducting everything that's going on so in the subjects mind um, they they almost immediately start thinking like oh th- this is real Gordon's con- in control of all of this um, and they start to forget all the 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 ornaments of television production and they become more natural more real and, and then it, in addition to that it also makes them uh, like buy into the whole fact that we're actually there trying to help them and that nothing is being fabricated because if we were to come in and say hold on a second and then like oh we like you know take a rotten tomato and throw it in the fridge and then Gordon goes what's this tomato it's rotten that you know that the, the, you know it'll shut down that will we'll, right we'll, we'll, they'll, they'll just shut down well well yeah that, that that might be a fun thing to get on camera and in the edit you can use that but then the people that you're working with are like oh this is all bullshit like they're just faking stuff they're trying to make me look mm-hmm. stupid and, and and so he has this he has this very intense rule about like everything's got to be real you can't produce anything as soon as you do the whole thing is ruined and so that's very unique because most reality shows aren't like that and that's why it is interesting because if um he says those things so a it shows that he is more interested in the emotional impact and the relationship the rapport he has with the subjects Mm -hmm. the show is like it's more important to him yeah like to the actual like shots you know like it's more important for him to get to those emotional moments which of course happen in the episodes at least of kitchen nightmares that i've seen because there is trust has been built even in such a short amount of time on the other hand there's confidence behind that that he will fucking find what's wrong with this thing. Like you don't because need a rotten tomato. Wrong. Shit's wrong, yeah. right? Something's yeah. wrong. Yeah, he's gonna find what it is. And, and, and I mean, a lot of that has been discovered in pre-production, right? The producers on the show have done their research. They've talked to the people. They've looked at their business. They, they've they've analyzed the books. Like the the like Lindsay Kugler was the showrunner on the show when I did the uh, did the show, and she was fundamental to 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 researching and, and to actually producing the show. All the producing happens kind of behind the scenes, and, and so it's not like Gordon goes in blind. Like like we we would explain to him, 
here's what we think the problems are. We think this person's an alcoholic. We think this person's stealing money. This guy, the cook, is 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 a, is a moron. And, you know, we, we, and we would tell him like, here's what we think is happening, and give him sort of evidence of that. But then, so then Gordon ha- he knows kind of what's going on. But when he goes in there, if he finds something that's contrary to what we've told them or what we've researched, he's gonna he's not gonna try and invent stuff that's not there. So and and you know, we go into these businesses. They're already. They're already always like on the brink of collapse when we get there, so it's pretty easy to find out what's going on. And usually, mm-hmm. our our uh, you know preparatory research is pretty spot on, but occasionally it's not. Like occasionally he goes in there and goes, "Hey guys, I don't think I don't think what the problem is was with the cook. I think it's the 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 front of house manager, the ho- you know like the host." It's of like the- with Caesar Milan. It's always not yeah. the dog that bit the other dog. It's the dog that gave the dog the weird look. Yeah, and 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 quite often you know like 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 part of the fun of the show is that we would. Re, you know, re- renovate and remodel the restaurant and give them a new menu and retrain their staff and everything. But, but nine times out of ten, the real problem was with the people, um, the the people that, that own the business that are the running the business. Mm-hmm. And usually, it, it's it's a, a like a uh, emotional relationship uh, uh, issue rather than just like a there isn't enough good food on the menu. I mean, like like the fish always rots from the head down. So so which usually, I heard is not true actually. Yeah, it's, it's not true, but it's just a, just a figure of speech. Uh, <laughs> shit, 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 true. shit flows downstream. That's, That's true. probably true. That's true. <laughs> so so you know usually you know the food sucks, so people aren't going in there to, to eat food. But the reason the food sucks is because of a deeper seated issue usually, and um, and yeah, and that's what Gordon was always brilliant about finding like like you know and sometimes he would go into the restaurant and we'd start filming and and then he would he would have conversations with people real conversations and then then he'd go okay i I gotta go think and he'd leave the restaurant come into the control room where the producers and the director of myself are are sitting and and we'd have discussions and 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 we talk about like hey tomorrow we were going to go to the market and like teach them how to get fresh food out of the fish market, but that's not right. Like, I think what we got to do is like have like a family therapy session tomorrow. So like like we would o- oftentimes on the fly. They said it's cheaper. It'll be cheaper <laughs> to have the fa- family therapy. No, session, no it, it so. was it was actually ne- never that. Like 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 you, almost always the, the the decisions were made on we'd follow the story and it, and it was very exciting because it was fly by the seat of your pants like you could prepare some things and some some things some, some things would actually happen as you prepared but um but other times it, it would you just have to change the plan dramatically and just fly by the seat of your pants and 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 it was always in the in the interest of like helping the people and never in the interest of making a better tv show but in trying to capture uh uh the, the real problem and 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 go and flow with the story what you end up doing is creating more compelling television and uh, that ends up being a better show r- rather than what you preconceived yeah because it's as if there's these recurring elements to all the episodes and it does feel formulaic but uh, it's by nature because all these restaurants have the same issues because failing restaurants just have the same issues and also because you know? I think Restaurants tend to be failing in general. Like that's just the nature of the business. Yeah, and they're gonna fail in the same way, right? Like the food is bad. Well, great. So we got the ba- basic sort of like lay of the land. Uh, I guess we can dig deeper into the episodes that Jay told us to watch. Uh, I know, Joe, you've seen a bunch of episodes of the show, if not all of them. I've. I'm very familiar with the episodes. Very when he emailed those ones, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Because like uh, uh, one was the two-parter. What was it? The burger, yeah. burger kitchen. The one? burger barn. Yeah, 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 burger, yeah. Kitchen. burger kitchen. Burger kitchen yeah, in classic. Los Angeles. Burger kitchen. Yeah. Um, that one was a uh, the, I believe the first two-parter, very big, and then of course, in a way, Amy's banking baking company broke the show. Uh, how do you mean it broke the show? What do, what do you mean exactly? It was like ever every if you were to be like, hey, let's do a. Uh, uh, a fan fiction of a Gordon Ramsay episode uh, and just go a little crazy like hey what if they knew they were coming and cleaned the kitchen and stuff well well l- l- let me address that actually because because that's interesting you say that what, what would often happen is that we would like because you go and you scout the location before you actually bring all the equipment and crew and start installing all the all the all the the lights and cameras and everything so so oftentimes we would scout a, a restaurant 
And um, I remember distinctly this one place in New Jersey. It's this like a steakhouse. This guy and his daughters work there. And, you know, like we're just in there like looking, writing, drawing maps, being like, okay, we'll put the camera here, we'll put the lights there, we'll run the cable out this door. And, and the guy's in the kitchen, the, the owner, and, and he's, he's going, well, I can't believe all these idiots on your show. Like they don't even, they, like they don't clean the, the, the restaurant. Like, 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 like you guys got to be planting stuff. You guys got to be like, like this is fake. And we're like, no, no, we don't plant anything. And as, as he's telling us about, how stupid people are like why don't they clean their restaurant um i'm opening up refrigerators and pulling out shelves and there's rotten food on on the shelves so a lot of times like 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 this guy uh -huh. th th this guy is like accusing us of faking stuff and saying like, what kind of idiot doesn't clean their restaurant before a television production shows up? And it's because they're blind to it. Like they, they, they've become so blind to their own problems that, that, that like they, they just are incapable of seeing the, the, the issue at hand. And when you see it on television, it's magnified. So, oh, obviously there's rotten food on this tray. But like, but I, I mean, as this guy is saying it, I'm pulling, I'm, I'm looking at, at rotten food. I'm looking at just like yeah. years and years of slime and dirt on the ground. I'm just looking looking at unsanitary conditions and he's oblivious to it. So th th well, that, that was very that's common. also, that's why you got, get such great um, reactions out of the, all the people in the shows mm -hmm. that are real because none of them see themselves as the bad guy. Yeah. Or and, the problem. And, and, and none of them are like, can see it. Like everyone is, I can't stress that enough. Like everyone is so blind to their own problems that it really, it becomes a simple task, which is just like Gordon goes in there, reveal, like shows their problems, like shoves it in their face, and is like, "Look at this! Look how disgusting this is!" Or, or, or like, 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 look at these problems, and and you you can't lie to yourself, and you can't uh, deny it anymore, and uh, and then they kind of break down, and then he builds them back up, you know. So it's like this, it's this kind of formulaic process, but it but it is organic because Gordon is always uh, pushing it yes. forward. So okay, so let's get into. Uh, actual episode so we mentioned burger's kitchen which is two part episode and uh the premise basically is that uh historic yeah it's it's a family issue major family issue with crazy parents and like emotionally <laughs> like devastated son a fedora wearing fedora son. wearing 29 year old son he looks like seth rogan if i recall yeah, right, yeah he? he has some Seth Rogen vibes. <laughs> I think that's also I was Stephen thinking. Cohen, former co-host of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, they all have Seth Rogen vibes, and uh, yeah, I, 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 yes, go ahead. I, I remember that guy. Uh, very so much. I think the problem is, and I remember Jay at the time in real life uh, actually defending the son, like as he discussed this episode with me, even though I wasn't watching it. But uh, it was it was like the father of the the patriarch of the family inherited. $250,000 from his father and so did his son the, from his granddad inherited $250,000 but it went into the trust that the patriarch was in control of so he used all this money to put it into this restaurant so he didn't consult with his son with his 20 some year old son he just opened a business and then he just kind of presented the son with this fact that like i used your money to start a restaurant because i thought you'd like that and he's like i didn't mm -hmm. know you would do that so there's that tension there's like the big issue going on with the money being basically taken away from him uh from the kid or like the 20 year old man 20 some year old man and then there's the issue of the mom like hating the girlfriend of the of the guy of the of the young man and it's just like everybody hates each other and people mm -hmm. are like delusional in terms of what they can do with this restaurant and most interestingly none of them have like a good taste in what the food should be or the <laughs> restaurant like they have disgusting ideas especially the dad of like what the food should be and he's the he's the decision maker yeah it, it stops at him so the fact that he won't even change it it's classic story uh where someone with no no cooking experience decides to set the <laughs> menu and uh yeah, well, well, the, burger master. the 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 thing about restaurants that you learn from doing a million of these shows is that is that everybody, because everybody can cook food in their house and like everyone can have a barbecue and people go, oh, great burgers that you made or, or like, oh, my mom's lasagna. Oh, so good. You mm -hmm. should open up a restaurant like everybody for the most part has someone in their household who can cook well. But like that doesn't mean that you can have a restaurant or that you can have a successful business. But people are just um 
convinced that it's an easy business. It's very strange phenomenon. People are convinced that that um, it's it's an easy thing to do. All you got to do is cook good food. People show up, they pay for it. Like what can go wrong? And you know, you can tell these people like again and again, it's the riskiest business. There's an eighty percent failure rate. Like you can give them all the statistics, and they go, yeah, but I but. I got this good idea about burgers and I yeah. like food and I yeah. know a couple of good dishes. Like yeah. it's like when people think like that because yeah. they've lived a life, they can write a book. They just need to sit down and write a book. They're like, I just need yeah. to like sit down, get some discipline and I'll write this amazing book because it's such a crazy life I've lived. But if they're understanding of like the mechanics of actually and the uh, training yeah. that goes behind it. And, and it's not to say they couldn't. And it's not to say if you are someone who's like I like cooking. I want to start a restaurant that you couldn't, but you the breadth of knowledge you need to then learn and the sacrifice, pe- right? They are don't not realize. Doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's as complicated, not maybe not quite as complicated as being like a surgeon, but like like to be a successful surgeon and to be a successful rest- restaurateur, they aren't they aren't too far away from each other in terms of um, the skill it takes to, to, to accomplish that. But but for some reason, everybody thinks like, oh, I could do our open heart surgery. No problem. Like, uh, you know, in, in, in relation to opening up restaurants, everyone is just convinced because they like food and because they know that they've had good food, that that they can suddenly be masters of this very complex very very um uh fault or, or disaster ridden industry yeah where 90 percent of the problems aren't even food related like, right and acting yeah. actually is another good example of i think people thinking oh acting like i could be an actor even if i don't have mm-hmm. training like i think it's another and of course there's like one or two exceptions that would be yeah, and, and, and we live in a we live in a culture that like rewards people for just having like out of the blue talent. Like you look at American Idol or something. It's like every idiot can sing in their shower and be like, "Wow, I'm a good singer." And, and then we have these these shows that the people watch and obsess about, and, and they're like, "Wow." Like I could be Michael Jackson, or yikes! (laughs) To mention another famous child molester, Woody Allen and Michael Jackson. But but, but, you know, it's like it's like oh, I could be Cher or whatever. Like all all I need is for someone to discover me. I have this innate (laughs) talent. I don't need to do any work. I don't need to do like like any honing in of a craft. Like I like I'm just naturally amazing, and just someone will discover me. Like that, which almost never happens. Like 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 anybody who's who becomes successful something is because they worked really hard to do it and so but but we have this myth in our culture that like that, that, that you can all you need to do is just roll the dice and and boom you got it and you know? it seems like the restaurateurs discover pretty quickly that shit is a lot harder than they thought like it just seems like they start getting worn mm. out pretty quickly and they start losing thousands and thousands of dollars which is what the father and the family to come back to the burger kitchen episode says the one of the first questions gordon asks him is how much money are you losing and the father says about five thousand dollars a month so he's quickly all that money he put in is disappearing disappearing and it's just getting worse and worse uh it's just it's surprising that these people are losing that much money and sometimes the owner is only there one day a week or something but oftentimes it's like i'm working here 15 hours a day i i own this place seven days a week and then they haven't stepped foot even in their kitchen or walk-in uh refrigerator yeah because so yeah because usually it's because they're they know that that's they have no business being in the kitchen they don't know it at all so they stay away from it and then they get hijacked by by incompetent uh uh, kitchen staff usually but but look, look let me just make a point of, of he, here's what happens to all these restaurants. You, you, you get somebody who's like, oh, I'm retired. I got like a few hundred grand in the bank, in the bank. You know, you know what I want to do? I want to have a restaurant. Like my wife cooks great food. We're going to make a restaurant. It's going to be easy. And I'll just retire. And just, this will be my fun little side project. So, so they spend all this money, they get a big loan, they drop a bunch of their own money into it. And then um, what, what they don't know is that most restaurants are operate in debt for two years, right? So, so, so even if they do know that, like, like you have to assume if you're opening up a restaurant, you're going to be like not making any profit for two years, and so they don't prepare for even that. Even if you're the best, and yeah, yeah, you know what's up. Yeah, even if you're the best restaurant tour ever, like you're going to be two years in debt, and you have to pay off you know hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. You have to keep the payroll going, and what happens is like maybe they open up the restaurant and their their success, they they have full house for like you know a month or something like like miraculously like they're they're making a bunch of money oh this is great this is great and then um 
the, the flaws of their management and their and their cooking start to start to come to fruition and people stop going as much and so business slows down but in their mind they start making up excuses and go oh it's the economy's bad or like oh you know it's the fall people the yelpers people don't like case. tacos in the fall yeah. and they, they, they start <laughs> the making yelpers. up excuses or they'll be like like there's construction down the road that's what's been slowing our business down when it really has been either like the food the management or both and so 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 they start losing money right right the, the, the cash flow isn't as big but but then they're thinking they're always thinking like all i need is like i just need to get business back up it'll be back up in a few weeks by on the fourth of july we'll have big crowds in town and, and so what they end up doing is they start f like floating the the payroll right so they start they keep their staff employed and, and they start putting their own money or their family's money they start borrowing money left and right and 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 f keeping the business afloat and um and meanwhile they're losing money every month but they're 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 you know getting more loans so to speak and dumping more money onto the fire and then um and then uh, the, the, it, it just starts getting worse and worse and worse. And then pe then they start cutting corners in, in in the food, right? So maybe the food was good at first. They're using fresh ingredients. Mm. Well, then they start thinking like, And you've probably God. seen this at restaurants you've been to, right? Yeah. Like a brand new restaurant opens up and you're like, this is good. Then a couple months later, you're like, Wait, these French fries taste like frozen French fries. Yeah, be, be, because th th that's exactly what they start doing. Because in, in a restaurant, in, in a restaurant, if you don't have a lot of people coming in and you, you're not selling food, you're throwing away food, and food's going bad. So you start thinking to yourself, how do I stop all this hemorrhaging of cash from happening fr from all this food being wasted? Oh, I'll get frozen food. That's the number one thing. Is it? So, so, so instead of having fresh everything, they start having frozen everything. And in their mind, they're like, it's the same thing. No one will know the difference. But people start knowing the difference and 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 mm -hmm. and and gordon would always say uh people vote with their feet your customers vote with their feet like they'll never tell a customer never tells anybody your food sucks it tastes weird like, like yeah, they, they, so it's rare. uncomfortable it's uncomfortable for them like so most of your customers they'll come in they'll have some food they'll be like oh yeah no like the, the manager will come up how was it oh it's great it's great and then when they walk out they're like oh, i'm never going back there again so people vote with their feet and so the, but these the, the managers and restaurateurs are deluded um um, because they, because they're, they're saying everyone says they love our food. That's what we'd always hear at Kitchen Nightmares. Everybody says they love our food. I, I come to the table and I hover over the table with my sweaty, fat, fat <laughs> fucking yeah. armpits. And, and they go, how do you like the food? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's the best. And speaking of the armpits, like uh, the son <laughs> even says in this, um, and then we're not body shaming anybody, right? But the son is saying, he's like, what's happening is that my dad has bad breath. And like he comes to these tables <laughs> yeah. and he's, talking to them and they're like turning away from him and you know oh, and it's just sad but the biggest thing i think like the guy also doesn't have the the father he doesn't have any taste so like he has like like the taste in food of like a very like limited palate like me maybe because i i, I i'm not a special like like i can eat anything i think and so he has this idea that like if he just makes this like meat pies that he ate in Australia, people are gonna crow crazy over it. And so meat pies, yeah, <laughs> my meat pies. And so he he's like, Ugh, so I'm, just, I'm remembering this guy right now. I'm like, this is the worst. So Can't talk to like, him, right? But like what, for him, right? He because I think it's like you choose your enemy. Like he chose the he chose the enemy like the Yelpers, and I think the Yelp was like really hot back then. I'm a lead Yelper, so I love Yelp. Uh, but like for him. Yelp was like, these are the Yelpers that they have. He's like paranoid. And Gordon is asking right. him, he's like, do you think they have a conspiracy literally against your business that they unite against your business and they want to take you down and they write a one-star review? He's like, yes, it is a conspiracy. Yeah. So they think it's other restaurateurs or somebody else. They like create this coalition just dedicated to bringing him down yeah, instead that, of just thinking that maybe just people don't like you. The, 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 that's the example. His yeah. that's his example of like the restaurateur saying the economy is bad or like or like oh location. like usually, there was a the hurricane. Yeah, the, 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 there's this construction down the street. That, that that's the excuse that guy was latching onto is like there's a conspiracy of Yelp to destroy me. And so he's hyper focusing on that. When 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 in reality it's like people just think the food sucks and they and they don't like the guy and it's just not a fun restaurant to go to. And so like like those critical <laughs> things are missing but 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 he's un, unable to he's blind to his actual problems. And um, I don't know when I used to work in restaurant business in New York and I worked for a while as a bartender for a few years like I don't know six years seven years and it would always people say like location location 
special location. But then sometimes you'd be like, wait, I work at a restaurant that doesn't make any money, I can tell. But across the street, the restaurant is crowded with people. So you can't be like yeah, location, yeah, yeah. right? Because like, there's just something they're doing across the street that brings well, in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the location not is just significant. Location. But again, it's like, yeah, and, and that Burger Kitchen place, that was on, I think, like, Melrose Avenue or Beverly. I mean, yeah, it was yeah, in no, a, it's, it's, it's a, a big prime, one. prime location. It, 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 they it must have been paying. The they must have been playing, paying a fortune in rent because that was a prime. That was prime real estate. And if I remember, there was like a Japanese robata restaurant right next door that was jamming the whole time. And again, like yeah, that, that, that's that's <laughs> that a, so sad, and, right? And, and, and this guy who's ignorant to the restaurant yeah. business, he's just sitting in his restaurant, being like, "Look, next door, they're they're just full of people. I'm not full of people. It's because of the Yelp conspiracy against me." And like, and just it completely doesn't because like one, he doesn't know how to change anything on a fundamental level of his business. And two, he's just blind to the problem uh, uh, in general. And so he's going to hyper focus on whatever problem or issue that, 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 that he sees. And, and, and that's the most common characteristic of all these restaurants is, is, is like some kind of, you know, just, just they've got blinders on to the actual problems. And um, of course, we have to just talk like one thing is the reason you, Jay, like the show is because... It is real, as real as it can be. Yeah. But the other big reason is Gordon Ramsay himself, right? So a lot of times, I remember people mm. who would find out the Kitchen Nightmares is uh, a show you used to work on. They would be like, so is Gordon Ramsay, like, is he like a crazy, like, mean fucker? Like, the way he kind of is? Which I watched only a few episodes, and I never thought he's mean. But he's intense, right? One of his like, descriptor, descriptors of his personality is he's intense. And Jay, like, you would always say, like, Gordon is freaking great. He's an amazing guy. And I have to say, like, and even in this episode of The Burger Kitchen, like, you see him having incredible charisma and a fluid influence on these people in this room. Like, mm-hmm. like even this woman, she's like, yeah, I like your energy. And she, like, wanted to walk out, the mother of the, the matriarch of the family. She wanted to walk away and never come back because she's, like, can't handle the truth coming out. They're, like, seeping through the pores of all the members of the family. And like she leaves and Gordon goes after her and he's like, come back. He has a talk with her and you see she's like his fan for the rest of her life. And I think it's like in his presence that family was able to heal for a little bit and like stuff started happening. Because he has this incredible personality of like a leader and charismatic man and the man who um, can protect and like be kind to people who deserve that and be uh, stern with people who don't deserve to be kind to. Yeah, well, his negative qualities where people might get like, hey, is he really an asshole? It's like he's never an asshole to anybody for no reason. Right. Yeah. If you lie to him, he will call you out and yell at you. Yeah. If you're bad at your job and say you're good at it, he'll yell at you. Like a chef should be, I I guess, right? Like, like just like a leader in the kitchen. Or or, or any master of anything. Like he he has zero tolerance for incompetence. And, but like, you know, and and he can sniff out a liar a mile away. I I think like what he's, he's an ex, he's a world-class chef. He really is. Like you see him working in the kitchen and he's amazing at what he does authentically. Um, He's also a great uh, TV personality, right? Right. He's very good, like very with deliberate television with his, production. Yeah. But like one of his greatest skills that goes un uh, un uh, um, identified is he's a therapist. Like, like the the majority of of problems. License? No, no, he's not a licensed therapist. Like he, the majority of his <laughs> uh, the better reveal. Than Dr. Phil. You heard it here first. I was for for sure better than Doctor Phil. But like 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 <laughs> like like some of the actual <laughs> most long-lasting um uh, effective things that he would do is was ba- like in the burger kitchen episode especially like we would have these long like family therapy situ- situations where gordon would say i just need to get i just need to get all these people in a room sit them down and we got to talk out these problems and he would play like a family therapist and and that's the stuff where like people who hated him at first would end up crying and hugging him by the end and, and, and i mean I, I can't tell you how many crazy family secrets were just like revealed in these in these sessions across various episodes oh my God. certainly in the burger kitchen episode i, I remember that we, we unearthed some crazy stuff that we had no didn't idea didn't make it on tv didn't or? make it on well some of it didn't make it on tv i remember that the one because the, the the son's girlfriend oh, what, oh. The, wendy the, the, wendy I can't remember her name, but yeah, let's the, call her the, Wendy. The son's girlfriend was hated by the parents or whatever, right? And and and, and a little older too, right? Compared I, to the kids, the, there was a thing where like um, 
that they thought that she was taking advantage of him. And so we, we actually found out that she was, that she had this like, like affair with like some random dudes while they're on a family vacation. And like that, that came out like the family had already known about that, but Gordon unearthed this thing. And I remember we're in the, that's why they didn't like her. And we were, in the, <laughs> and we were in the control room. Go, it makes sense. Yeah. And the, yeah that, that's why they didn't trust her at least and, and for one, one reason. And, and so they're tweaked out. Like she's very tweaked out type of person. Yeah. And I remember the control room. Everyone's like, Whoa, we didn't know that happened that's it, hilarious to know you know j- j- just just <laughs> like like, like, like cr- crazy details it's were, were, were juicy crazy you details need to were. rewatch the episode with everything that he just said in mind gordon ramsay he's not a licensed therapist but he was able to extract this th- this crazy detail that and they, granted, had never they revealed, are uh, in the heightened environment of cameras pointed yeah. at them and everybody's on the edge and their business they're really talking through their feelings, how their business is falling yeah. apart and they're blaming somebody for it. But of course it takes a, like a therapist to really bring it out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and again, like, like that just doesn't happen on the first day that happens on like day three of working with them. And if we had, if we had been starting and stopping for airplanes and, and call AD walks onto the set and says, cut, cut, hold on, we have to do a tape change. If we had been doing that stuff, that's why Gordon doesn't allow that stuff to happen. Because if we had been doing that the first three days, there's no way we'd get them into, into such a vulnerable um, revealing state so that we could sit down and film like a family therapy session. They'd be much more guarded. It would, you know, they kind of forget that we're making a TV show because of those rules that Gordon um, imposes on it. And that's what makes the show really good is because like, yes, it's produced and there's a format to it, but like there's such cameras everywhere. There's cameras everywhere. There's audio. We're in a tight space, but like Gordon creates this environment where the people forget about all that artifice for a few days and we're allowed to, or we're able to capture some really authentic moments, which is just so it's such a rare thing on a reality show. Ironically. Yeah. In a way it's more documentary than reality show. If there was some sort of um, sharing of scales there that yeah, it could lean towards. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it, like, I don't want to say it was like a hundred percent, like pure, pure ethical, right? Like, you know, like, like, like sometimes, you know, because we are making a TV show. So sometimes we'd be filming something and, and the person would be kind of guarded and then Gordon would look at the cameras and he'd say, hey, get, get the fuck out of here. Like, like a piss off, piss off to the camera operators. Be like, be like, be like, be like get out of my face. You know, he'd like yell at the crew. It was, And the crew always knew, like, if Gordon starts yelling at you, it's not because you did anything wrong. It, it, it's, it's because he just wants to shoo you away. And then we'd have these robot robo cams we call them which are like kind of remote uh security cameras so, so like G- gordon would sit down and he'd tell the, the the handheld camera crew to get out of there and we'd still film them from the remote cameras now uh, th- th- these aren't like hidden cameras like like they, they're they're cameras that the people know that are there they know yeah because they said we're gonna install these cameras yeah they're very so obvious long. there's cameras everywhere moving around like they, but they he see just them. did a gesture of kicking out the tv crew yeah, yeah so he yeah. becomes like a friend yeah and 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 the people probably deep down know that I'm being filmed right now and I'm being recorded but 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 he's like he's like hey get these these six bodies out of this room like I want to have a, a like a more intimate conversation with it's you it's like and the so, sex scene of yeah like would be on the film set and and, and a the lot of times when you kick everybody out except director and I don't know yeah exactly but you're still camera. filming it you know like yeah. like, like um, <laughs> the, the 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 big thing I, I don't know if we want to be making that comparison so uh, <laughs> this, we're already we've gone really far on this podcast but, I'm already worried but about the, it uh, uh, the, <laughs> when I first got asked to direct the show that they'd already done two seasons of the American show. And I remember I went into the interview and I had only seen the British one. So I watched the American show and I just, I was like, Oh my God, this show looks so bad. Like they're just crossing the wow. line with, with, with the camera. Oh, this, I, I can't believe line. I can begin to tell you how many times I hear they cross the line every time we watch anything. Yeah, yeah. But, but, I feel like people just cross the line because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. But all I can hear is like, but, 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 but as a, when you're directing something, you're trying to make something as, as polished and as technically proficient as you can. And I remember watching the show doing before my, my interview and being like, Whoa, I can like, who's making this show? Like, like these guys are idiots. Like, like this is just all done. Shout wrong. Out. It, it, it's all done so poorly. And so I remember went going to the interview. Be, I remember going to the interview be, being <laughs> like, being like, why? Well, oh, I could certainly, you know, like, like, like I'll be able to make a much better version of this. Cause you guys are just, I was kind of implying like you guys are fucking idiots. And, but, but then, but then I didn't realize that Gordon has all these rules and that there's these moments where like, like Gordon tells the cameras to go away and all you're left with are the cameras that are drilled into the ceiling and like in those angles. So, and a lot of times in these tiny kitchens, 
Like a lot of times in a kitchen, there's only enough room for two bodies to stand in. So imagine yeah, somebody, what angle choice do you yeah, have? Uh, and, and, and when some when something is going down, like like somebody fucks up and Gordon's like, what the fuck are you doing? He starts yelling at them. You, you can't move the camera into a better spot. Like you just, you film what you film. Like a lot of times if you watch Kitchen Nightmares, the, 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 the shot will show crew in the background or, or, or you'll, you'll the, 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 the higher quality camera shot from the handheld camera operator will show one of the ro- robo cams, you know, moving around in the background or you'll see a boom or, or this or that. You'll see some of the artifice and it's because the, you could never stop anything like nothing could ever be stopped. So you, it's just like when it's happening, you shoot it. And if you're if you're the cameraman is stuck next to the to the French fry machine and, and can't move because they'll get burned on the other oven, then, then, burn. th- then they're just going to be in the shot and like and, and they're, they're going to get the the, the 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 shot that they can get. And and technically it's it's not very proficient and it ends up looking like shit. But but what's more important and what's more compelling is that you get the really high quality. Um, you, you you get the scene. You get the you get the real the the, the actual real. the actual reality of of, of what's going on. Um, so so I just learned to just sort of not worry about the technical elements as much. Like that being said, it was probably one of the most technically challenging shows because of that sort of like you could live element of everything. You could never stop, so you everything had to be like mm. a sporting event. Like even Gordon going to, it'd be like, okay, Gordon's gonna go visit the grandma's house. Like the way we would have to do that is I'd have to have a camera outside and, and I get a radio like calling like Gordon's coming around the block and he'd be driving up. He gets out of his car, he goes in the door. I'd have to have a camera waiting inside the living room so Gordon walks in, talks. He never stops for anything. So so. You had to like place your cameras strategically, oh, so, in his so, path. So, yeah, so in his path. So the and then the guy that's outside, once Gordon's inside, has to run around the back and go into the side door and then go up through the basement and then get the corresponding shot. I mean, it was it was always like that, which is crazy. Like helps you, uh, him have a shorter shooting days for sure. Gordon oh, he himself. loves it. I mean, part of it is maybe impatience. Like, like he yeah, doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't like have fuck patience ar- for shit. He doesn't like to fuck around. But like you know, I think that's maybe why we got along so well is because I was able to to pull off these kind of crazy things and like he never had to stop never had to redo anything he's never going to redo something like if like the whole thing is like if you didn't get the shot of gordon doing this or that it doesn't exist like it's just not going to happen and it doesn't matter how important it was that it's, if you didn't shoot it it doesn't exist and in fact it was such close relationship between uh gordon ramsay and jay hunter that as joe you know uh gordon ramsay tasted slash consumed my borscht (laughs) (laughs) yes and then subsequently called our improv team that you and i were on chef well he called me chef borscht and we took that name proudly and named their Mm. new team chef borscht yeah just to explain what what happened (laughs) sasha made some borscht which she's very very her borscht borscht? it's a soup and and so (laughs) sasha made this this russian soup borscht and and it's really good and she made some and she made a little batch and gave it to gordon i brought it to the set if you want to know what episode this happened on it was during the capri episode capri uh that that was shot in our neighborhood and so I, i brought gordon some of sasha's borscht he loves it uh, he's had it a couple times since then, and he he always referred to Sasha as Chef Borsch uh, over the radio. Right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He, 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 he like yeah. And Chef the thing Borscht is, I <laughs> and the thing is, what I what I have to say is that it was super complimentary because I do not cook. I do not. Co- I haven't cooked once throughout this quarantine. I can I can verify that. And to me, it's such a compliment that one thing I've done and tried to do well is the one thing that it's so good because he was like, it's such a good, he's like, it's like the best, like such a good borscht. And he never gave me the container. That's the only thing is like, I just can't let that go. So if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, so Gordon, if you're listening, Sasha's still pissed about the (laughs) Tupperware we gave you eight years ago. But but so, yeah, I mean, like. like So anyway, we named our team Chef Borscht because what a nice name. And so improv team with Joe and me and Patrick and Ray. It was Ray. named uh, Screaming Ray. It, 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 it was it was one of the great great, great improv teams, um, and you know, the, the, like the, the like Gordon's whole thing is that you can taste, and it's true, you can taste when food is made with love, right? And and that's what I remember. That's what he said about the Sasha's borscht. Is, is like I'm sure you could. If you were a world class chef, you could make like a nah. technically more, 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 you know, like 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 perfect version of borscht. But 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 he's he's like I could taste the love. He's like I, I could taste like the family recipe or like like the roots of it. There's no family. He, I just made could, it myself. No no. But, uh, but, but, but he, she found it like, on a you can, uh, on cooking.com. You, you, you can t- 
and he would mention this a lot when we were at restaurants when he'd, he'd taste their food he'd be like this food isn't made with any love or passion like it's just slopped together like there's no love in this and you can it, it's it sounds abstract and 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 hard to hard to quantify but you can taste well, when just, food is made with love yeah think like okay a uh, a side of um steamed vegetables and a uh a poorly cooked steak that's not cooked. That'll never be. Oh, cooked those with pies! Love. Like again, just to go back to that episode real quick. Meat those pies. Uh, meat pies. Like they were just so My gross. My meat pies. And, and Gordon would like take the fork and would start like digging into that pie, and you can just see all the mush and like the the mucus that <laughs> lives inside that pie, and you don't want to eat it. He's really good at at during those food tasting scenes. He he's really good at, at being able to make food look disgusting, <laughs> like, 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 like the way he smushes it around. Like he he's always you know because we'd always get extreme close-ups of it and he just like mush it around and he's and got like very good deliberate like way to hold things that like are not yeah. meant to be held together so like yeah he's making it look unappetizing <laughs> yeah everywhere. he's like 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 he's like like they had like they had this giant burger in this burger's kitchen like it's a one pounder and they had a tiny bun because guess what they ran out of buns and so he puts this tiny bun around and then like he takes like 50 seconds trying to bite it from every single corner and he can't like find the right place to bite it and he just starts <laughs> laughing with himself and he's so present you know he's obviously could be a really great actor because he's very present he's very deliberate he's very clean with his emotions and portrayal and he's very comfortable around cameras and you can just see like he's doing this like one man show that I'm enjoying watching like he should make you know a one the food man parts show. are some of my favorites I think <laughs> if I just had uh, I've watched so many of these episodes. I've watched them several times even. And every time, if I just have a, like, oh, I can't watch the full episode, I cut to the eating <laughs> and the um, the walk-in refrigerator parts. Oh. Those are the best. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are always, and again, like, like people always ask me, they go, like, that's faked, right? Like, you guys faked that. Or, like, the thing with the you bun. You can't be- fake it. The thing with the bun being too small, it's like, if I watched that, I'd be like, oh, what, the production, like, wouldn't let him get the right buns or something but or yeah stole the buns but no like like things that's why they're a fucked up restaurant (laughs) is because even when a national television show has arrived and it should be like 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 any of us would be like oh my god i'm gonna clean the shit out of my room and yeah i'm i'm I'm, I'm gonna wax the car and everything like like like, but these people they're so incompetent that they like they don't get the right buns and and then they go oh oh it's fine we'll just give them these buns like 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 like, it's insane like Like, it's insane and and they're not being goaded into doing that that like that and again that's why their business is failing is because like they don't they don't care or they don't know how to care even when a television show is there to to film them and they, and yeah like, you think you'd go out and apologize like hey i don't uh, I don't know if we should even serve you. Yeah, and and some, sometimes they would like like, like sometimes the, the the chef would be like, "Tell Gordon I can't make that dish because I don't have the fresh broccoli or whatever." And they come out and tell him, and Gordon would be like, oh, "Okay, cool. like like okay, great, thanks for letting me know. I, I don't want to eat that then if you're not if you yeah, you that's how a restaurant works yeah, anyway. Yeah, he, he he was always he loved moments like that when, like because because that was a sign of like oh like because then when he hears something like that, what's going on in his head is he's thinking like oh. The chef, the chef cares. Like, like, okay, maybe the chef's not the problem. Like, 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 whoever is actually paying attention to shit is doing it for a reason. Maybe the problem is somewhere else. And so, you know, he, he, again, like, like, and because the production, the television production, isn't faking or, 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 or getting their hands dirty with any of these details. Like everything that Gordon finds is on the restaurant tour, and it's not like, oh, the producer fucking threw the blo- broccoli on the ground. That's why it's got dirt all over it. It's like, no, no, that that never happens. So like, so they can never use yeah. as a, that as a, as an excuse. And this concludes our part one of the discussion of Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay that we recorded with Jay Hunter, the former director of the show. In the next week's episode, we'll continue this conversation with Jay Hunter where we'll discuss Oceana and Amy's Baking Company, these two most controversial episodes of Kitchen Nightmares that Jay did direct and that he has some crazy insider stories about. Hope you can listen to that one as well. Thank you, Jay Hunter, for coming on to this podcast once again. Thank you, Joe Cabello, for co-hosting with me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for the music. And thank you for listening. Oh.